0: But I read this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let me read it in your hearing. It's not in my notes, but I think it's appropriate we begin with this. And it's Deuteronomy 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And that shalt... And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. Don't forget how good God has been to you. To humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart. I led you a specific way to find out what was in you, whether you would keep the commandments or not. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he may make thee to know that man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. We heard about that Sunday. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee. I love this next statement. Neither did thy feet swell. And as you get older, you'll appreciate that statement. Neither did thy foot swell for 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. I want to do good things for you. A land of brooks of water and fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and land of olive oil and honey. I want to do good things for you. But you went through the wilderness to see what you're made of. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let, let's pray together tonight and just ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, I thank you for this word tonight. You're going to speak to our hearts. Thank you for every saint of God that's here. I pray you would touch us with your word. Lord, let it come alive in this place in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm going to help the preacher preach tonight. Amen. Now, let me say at the outset that the Word of God, you may be seated, let me say at the outset that the Word of God is a mirror, amen, the Word of God is a mirror, and the Bible says, he that looketh into the, it's, it's a looking glass or a mirror, here, he that look is in, looks into the Word sees what manner of person he is, so the Word of God is not a magnifying glass to see somebody down at the end of the road, it's not a telescope. Uh, to see somebody on the other side of the church, not a magnifying glass to examine everybody else with. It is a mirror. And when you look at it, you're supposed to see yourself. When you look in the Word, you're supposed to see yourself. So let's see if we see ourselves in this. How many of you have a closet that looks like that? Let me say it this way. How many of you men have a wife that has a closet that kind of looks like that? I don't know if they can get anything else in there. How long has that been up there? Just got up there? Okay, good deal. You're awesome. Uh, that, that's a pretty uh, full closet, wouldn't you say? So tonight I want to preach, I guess, from this thought, closets full, yet nothing to wear. I see some fingers pointing I hear some men saying, preach, Pastor. Man, I'm going to get the men behind, maybe. Until I get halfway done, they're going to realize I've just bushwhacked them. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, Pastor. That was a roundhouse. I guess if I would entitle this something a little more spiritual, I would entitle it in connection with Sunday, Bread or God? Bread or God? I want to draw your attention to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. It's where we'll jump off on our text here. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Everybody say, tempted of the devil. <laughs> and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that's interesting. Day and night he fasted. He was afterward, afterward, everybody say, afterwards. Forty days and forty nights. After that, he was hungry. I don't know about you, but about day two. That's my afterward. Day two, I hit afterward. But it says, Forty days and forty nights, he fasted. And after that, he hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Everybody say stones to be made bread. Command these stones be made bread. Don't ever forget that your enemy uh, wants to, uh, wants to uh, 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 elude the fact or cover the fact that the bread that this world has to offer is really stones. Turn these stones into bread. Bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we hit this some uh, Sunday in connection, and uh, we're going to connect these dots tonight uh, in this uh, service tonight. I I can't describe for you what uh, happened in the uh, days leading up to Sunday in describing how God would cause us to experience things in our lives to show us that he is the only thing that satisfies completely in our souls. Uh, And a better word in this passage, uh, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now he was, everybody say led by the Spirit. Led Led by the Spirit to the wilderness for a specific purpose. And what was that purpose? To be tempted, he was led by the Spirit into a place where he would be tempted. Now think about that in terms of your life. Think about in terms of what you go through. Think about that in terms of your walk with God. I know you want it to be complete victory all the time, but the Lord leads us to places... And they are wilderness places where we experience hunger, we experience uh, whatever you experience after 40 days and nights of fasting, hallucinations, hello, Uh, being very hungry. We are led to places that we don't understand, but the Bible tells us Jesus was led for a purpose. He was in that wilderness, he was hungered, and he was there for a reason. Amen. I want you to understand you are where you are right now for a reason. There is purpose to it. I said there is godly purpose to it. God God didn't wake up this morning from a long winter's nap and say, oh no, uh, I didn't realize they were going to lose their job. I didn't realize they were going to lose their health. The Lord knows where you are right now. Somebody say amen. Now, a better word in this text. He was led up, to the, up by the Spirit or of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, a better word in that passage is tested. The Greek word uh, really does mean, instead of tempt, it means to put to the test. The sense of the Greek word is to put to the test in order to ascertain the nature of someone, including any imperfections, faults, or other qualities It is to test someone. Everybody say the test. It implies the need to know what capacity this person has under stress, under duress. Not when the sun is shining, not when they're at church feeling the spirit. It implies the test is there to figure out what is their capacity when they're going through a wilderness. Somebody say amen. It also, the sense of the word means uh, comes to mean what is the endurance of that person. How much uh, in, in, in the Greek lexicon I studied today in the Greek uh, resources that I pulled up it, it actually means this wording how much can I trust this person. That's what that word means for test. There's more to this scene than some temporary denial of the flesh. Fasting is a Good thing fasting means getting hungry. Oh boy, that's a revelation. Anybody ever fasted? Raise your hand if you fast. One meal to two or three meals. How many got hungry when you fasted? Amen. I look at cookbooks when I fast. I kid you not. I know you're supposed to read the Bible, but after I read the Bible, I read the cookbook. <laughs> And I dog-eared. In fact, when you go in my house and pull out cookbooks, you'll find pages that are dog-eared. And I testify that those were dog-eared during a fast. When I started eating after the fast, I forgot all about what I was gonna cook. <laughs> what looked so good. Am I okay? Fasting is a struggle. I don't know if you tried to pray when you're fasting. The Bible says to fast and pray. Prayer's tough when you're fasting. If you're, you know, you may be new here. I've been here a few years, but I can tell you this every prayer and fasting revival, we have them once a quarter and we have three nights of prayer. I want to tell you Tuesday night, <laughs> Monday night, kind of okay, but Tuesday night, all you hear is, oh, God. Then quiet and it's about two or three minutes oh God you know who's fasting there's some that are bouncing around oh praise God Woo-hoo! and you know well, they had a good supper they had a good supper wonder where they ate no I'm teasing well maybe not maybe a little comma save lives There's always an undertow of reluctance when somebody calls a fast. Well, I don't know if I'm physically able. My sugar drops. There is a small air of self-imposed martyrdom. I'm fasting. You got any mints? I'm sorry. I'm fasting. There's a sense of temporary piety, I'm closer to God, I'm fasting. Think about it. What Jesus Christ accomplished was far more than just groaning through an hour prayer or or asking for a few breath mints, or, or feeling a temporary uh, exalted feeling, well, I'm, I'm really where I should be. What happened in this passage in, in Matthew 4 is bigger than that. Somebody say amen. Let, let me say, I'm going to put some statements up here that are very important for you to remember tonight. One of them is, one, one thing's for sure, you cannot beat Satan with human efforts fast to your belly button falls off. You're not going to defeat the enemy by just uh, pushing back the plate. Somebody say amen. Amen. Any more than if I I shave my head, is that going to defeat the works of the devil? Or uh, the keto, keto, whoever, Diet, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going on the Daniel fast and that's going to give the devil a black eye. N- make no mistake about it, human efforts are not going to be a spiritual impact. They're not. They're not. Go on a diet, do and do all that stuff, uh, uh, even crucify your own flesh, your carnal nature. H- keep yourself from chocolate all you want. That's a good thing. But don't tell me you're tearing the kingdom down because you're not eating chocolate. Is everybody okay? You thought I was wound up Sunday. (laughs) Uh, There's enough misery in this world already without adding to mine, you can't have any more chocolate. If you'd quit drinking coffee, you'd give the devil a black eye. Please don't take my coffee. Or your Diet Pepsi or your Mountain Dew. Uh Uh-oh. There's enough burdens. There's enough emptiness, enough ache, enough hardship. Uh, It's very important. What Jesus Christ did during this fast is very important. What was going on in Matthew 4 is very important. And he showed us you don't defeat the enemy just because you've been on a 40-day fast. Because at the end of his 40 days, the devil came and tested him. Anybody hearing that? You would think after 40 days of fasting that the devil would leave you alone. But that's not the case. He was tested after he fasted. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't add to the hardships of life. In fact, I believe the gospel intends to make your life sweeter. (laughs) I'm going to say that again because I'm not sure you're listening. Uh, Make no mistake about it. I am at my sermon now. I'm not waiting for my sermon. I am preaching my sermon. So I want to say that again. God doesn't wait to give you peace, uh, you know, in the sweet by and by. The gospel intends for you to have a sweet life now. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's just not when we all get to heaven. He wants us to have abundant life here. He wants us to have a light load here. No, you didn't hear me. Take my yoke up on you, learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart. Comes somebody say amen. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Somebody say light. The Lord wants your burden to be light. He wants your life to be pleasant. Even though you're fasting. Oh got a heavy burden. I haven't eaten in four days. No. Jesus wants to comfort us. Even in our testing. Somebody say amen. amen. Nobody is big enough to do battle with Satan by himself and in himself. That is emphatically true. In fact the Bible tells us when Moses died there was a fight about who was going to get his body. And Michael, the highest archangel, the highest warrior angel there was, showed up to dispute Satan over the body of Moses. And you would think the highest ranking angel would just say, Back up, dude, I'm bad. But he didn't. He said, The Lord rebuke thee because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's not power in you. Ra- oh, we ought to raise our hands. But we don't defeat the devil just by slipping our hand up. Come on. I don't care how much you dance. We, we're not going to destroy the kingdom of darkness just by dancing. We ought to dance. We ought to praise him with stringed instruments and organs. We ought to worship him. But there's nothing like the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. That, Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee." Amen. So I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something right now. All the classes in the world aren't going to get you off heroin. Yeah, amen. You're not going to defeat the kingdom of darkness just by going once a week for an hour and being a good boy. Amen. Is it? Anybody hearing me? Uh-oh, turn your neighbor and tell him I'm glad he's not talking about me. <laughs> Lord, help me. Nobody is big enough to do battle By himself and in himself. I cannot command my body to crash and go into a 40-day program of intensive uh, fasting and put it up against the ruler of darkness. Fast 40 days and that's fine. But what I'm saying is I cannot command that to happen and then think, oh, I just drove the devil out. Everybody okay? That isn't, this isn't a slug, an annual slug fest. Every once in a while, we go on a fast to really push back the darkness. What a charade it is to control our passions for a few days and then go to Applebee's and break it. If we're really pushing back the darkness, then let's just quit eating. Well, oh, you're you're not sure what you're not sure now where I'm going. I've lost all the men. They like that picture of that closet, but I've lost all of them. They're like, what fast closet fasting? We supposed to eat our clothes, preacher? Fasting, you know what? Fasting is it's simply to show who is boss. Who's the boss? I know you like to tell your wife you're the boss. But fast about six days. No, I mean day and night. Day and night. Do I brag at the close of my fast? Oh, now I'm a spiritual master. I, uh, I've got it all. No, you see, fact of the matter is there's times I come off my fast and I was tested. The devil hit me right between the eyes. I want to tell you, after 28 years of pastoring, I was at camp meeting this past a uh, few weeks ago, and I heard Brother McCorder preach a fantastic message. If you have a chance to see that DVD or listen to it, maybe it's online, I'm not sure, but Brother McCorder preached a fantastic message. And he's, he echoed some of the sentiments that I have as, as I get a little older as a pastor. You know, I thought after about five to seven, ten years, we'd, we'd dust our hands off and say, you know what, look what God's done here in Salem. We've we, we kind of done what we thought would happen. But you know what? After 28 years, uh, we've had more fights than we've had victory. No, I'm not talking about us fighting. I'm talking about spiritual fights. I know you're like, oh, wait, who was fighting? <laughs> I sense that. Nobody's fighting here. No, I meant spiritual fights. Spiritual fights. We've had more tests. We've had trials. We have adversity. You know, I thought, well, you know, you preach the gospel worship, and, you know, five or 10 years later, everybody's kids are saved. You know, half the town's saved, and nobody else doesn't, you know, we don't have any other work to do. We'll just kind of dust it off and wipe our brow and say, boy, we got that done. But it's not done. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I hope you understand that this is not the end that we are comfortably filled, but this is not the the all in all. And and I fasted and I prayed and I sought God and I went on spiritual retreats and I went camping for a few days to shut the noise out. But you know what? When I came back, the devil was still here. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you prayed through one Sunday and by... Thursday, Monday, somebody said, Monday, Sunday night. I don't think this captures what's happening in Matthew chapter 4 at all. Uh -uh. I think Jesus fasted for 40 days. There's got to be more to it than getting done 40 days and going, man, I'm powerful now. No, the Old Testament was full of it. I want you to think about it. There was a fast of the fifth month. They fasted on the fifth month and a fast on the seventh month. Every 50 year there was to be a general relinquishing of all individual possessions and property and redistribution. That was a fast. From the beginning up to the end of the Old Testament you will find an unbroken series of general fasts. Set at certain periods of the year, some of them lasting for days, some even for weeks. Over and above these you will find particular fast enjoined in the scripture for particular occasions you'll find that certain persons again and again religiously vow that for such a time, length of time such a length of time they said it they would take no food, they would take no drink or they'd let their hair grow or their beard grow or that they will mortify the de- their flesh in some fashion. That's in the Old Testament it's full of it. In the New Testament our Lord himself distinctly recognized and incalculated the duty of self-denial under the simplest of its forms the abstinence of food he talked about fasting he not only participated in it but he said how it was to be done now look at matthew 6:16 6, when you fast be not as the hypocrites of a sa- oh god <laughs> of a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast verily i say unto you they have their reward <laughs> Just somebody knows they're fasting, that's all they're going to get out of it. Wow, what, how powerful is fasting? <laughs> but you, when you fast, anoint thine head, take a shower, comb your hair, that thou appear not, don't even look like you're fast, don't look hungry. Go to lunch with them. You know, you got to work lunch and they're going to a steak place. Go and say, no, I'm, you know, I I don't think I want anything, but don't stare at their steak while they're talking and drool. (laughs) Appear unto them that you're not hungry. That's how you fast. But unto thy Father which is in secret. He knows you're fasting. And, and if you don't disclose that fact, the Father who sees in secret will give you a reward openly. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 5 says, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in turmoils, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. If I say fasting. Paul said we're approved as ministers of God. How we approved? We're approved in afflictions. We're approved in distresses. We're approved in imprisonments, in turmoils, in labors, in fastings. That's how God proves my ministry. Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's emphasis there. The believer cannot escape it. I have a duty towards self-denial. I should fast what is the purpose? And that's what we're getting at tonight. In Matthew 4, Jesus was hungered after 40 days. And the devil said, turn these stones into bread because I know you're hungry. And he said, no, I'm not going to turn these stones into bread. Thou shalt, uh, th- th- thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So If it is to discipline my body and fasting is just to bring me discipline, then then I guess I ought to also run and go boxing, maybe lift some weights. If it's only to discipline my body, then I ought to discipline my body in other ways, right? Yeah, so it's got to be more than that. If it's only for love, well, I'm doing it, you know, because I want to do something for the kingdom, or or giving something of myself by denying myself. That, and that's good for me, but 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 self denial, as is taught in the Bible, is entirely distinct from the duty of giving, or from the uh, from the virtue of self control. It's not a not just about discipline. There's something deeper because Jesus didn't just fast just to crucify his flesh and discipline his body. Now, does it do that? Absolutely. Because you learn to tell yourself no, and you start realizing how powerful your flesh is. Somebody say amen. So there's reasons here that are deeper than just, I love the kingdom and want to do what Jesus said, and I'm just going to discipline my body. No, it's deeper than that. And the revelation of how deep this is, is in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at. I know the power and the force. It it is. It, it, I know the power and the force of it is meant to be. When I see how he used it, when I understand how Jesus fasted, then I understand the depth of it. Somebody say amen. amen. And when Jesus was about to begin his great ministry, it was necessary that he be tested to find out. And the Scripture says it. He was led into the wilderness of the spirit to be tested. He recognized it. He sought no exemption from it. Everybody say he was tested. Here's another statement I don't want you to ever forget: All human souls have to be tested at some time or another. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, "You're going to be tested. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, "I'm going to be tested." Sometimes the test is sharp and bitter. Sometimes it spreads over a long period of time. Sometimes it's just a few days. Sometimes it's a few hours, but nobody escapes it. Have any of you as parents, this is a general question, have you ever tested your children? Oh, you're a terrible parent. No. hey, me and your mom are going to go out on a dinner date and you and kids stay here and you stay in the house now. <laughs> and you called your neighbor and you said, hey, don't go over there. Don't let them know you're watching, but I want to. My mom tested me. She wrote down the odometer on my, <laughs> on my 74 Nova. <laughs> yeah. She couldn't figure out how there was that many miles on it if I just went to the pizza joint about 15 miles away. As parents, we test our children. Don't we? Yeah, okay, I'm going to try. I want to take them out. I want to take the car. You test them. There's things you want to see if they're going to be obedient. You know what? When you tell them clean their room, the fact of the matter is, it's a test. It's a test. How many know your parents tested you? (laughs) Oh, boy. I've lost the crowd let me say something else we need to be careful about how we deal with the sovereignty of God what God's doing and why he's doing it You know, well I don't understand why God would do this and why God would do that well don't ever forget that the relationship we have with God is as described by Jesus Christ is as a father and a child relationship I want you to hear me now. My relationship with God is as a father and a child. Jesus said it. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give you good gifts? We need to be careful when we start telling people why God does certain things. God's ways are past finding out, but make no mistake about it. He always thinks like a father. Don't ever forget that. Jesus said, when you pray, listen, Pentecostals, I know where we love it's all in him and Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. I know that, but don't ever forget. Jesus said, when you pray, don't get freaked out when somebody says, Father, it's in the Bible. Jesus said it so that we would remember that He's our Father and we're His children. It doesn't damage oneness theology to use the term Father. Am I okay? Now let me, let me say something to you, okay? Let me say something to you for a minute. Listen, let's say I have two kids. Amazingly, I do. Let's say one of those two kids goes off the rails real bad. How bad do you think this father wants that one that's off the rails saved? Huh? Do you think I'd do it? You think if they call me at 3 in the morning I'd say, hey, I'm really, I was right in the middle of a good dream. You're going to have to call me back later. Sorry. No. I'd probably already be up. I'd probably be pacing the floor. Here's something else to consider. I've heard people say, well, Brother Gene, I prayed whatever it takes for my kids. And I thought, you know, you're exactly right. Because as a father, I understand that. Say Chelsea goes off the rails, Mike. And I say as a father, you know what? I'm going to give Shayla cancer. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to give Shayla cancer to wake up Chelsea. See how odd that feels? As a father, I would lose, I should lose the title father if I ever thought that. If I ever wanted that to happen. So I need to be careful when I start thinking, well, God did this to me, so he's got reasons. I, no, I want you to know God loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer. No, now I know there are things we do and there are choices that we make and there's repercussions and you reap what you sow. I know if they do something against the law, you're still their parent and even if you gotta go pick up the phone and talk to them through the glass, you understand, you know what? I can't help what's going on but you're gonna be better for this when you come out of it. Well, God did this to me because he wants Blake to wake up. What? No, that's not my father. Uh Uh-uh. No. In fact, when you start thinking about the ways of God, don't journey too far from how you feel about your kids. It's that simple. Don't make it complicated. Just think, how would you treat your kids? In fact, when you're not sure why everybody's praying for that person down at the altar, they don't know how many times they've messed up. They don't know what they've done. They don't know their rap sheet. If they knew what I knew, they wouldn't even let them in this church. Listen, when you think about God, don't venture too far from how you would feel if that was your boy in the altar. There you go. There you go. Check your attitude with, what would I do if this was my child. Buddy, that fixes it all. You don't need to go to Bible school to figure that out. Just figure out if I'm evil and yet I would treat my kid this way, how much more does God want to treat me like that? How would I treat my kids? I want both my kids saved. And I'd do anything to save them, see them saved. Somebody say amen there are kingdoms of our minds about in our minds about God and his actions that do not follow the model of him being my father now there are things beyond my control even as a parent that's right my child starts texting, looks down, runs off the road, hurts somebody, debilitates somebody, puts somebody in, in a position for the rest of their life. You know what? That's still my child. Well, if you loved me, you'd have done something about it. No, there are choices they make. <laughs> doesn't ever keep me from loving them. Anybody here? I, I want ultimate good for all my children. I'm not going to use one against the other. I'm not going <laughs> to... He loves me. Turn your neighbor and tell him he loves me. (laughs) Amen. He loves you. I feel the Holy Ghost here. He wants you to know that he loves you. Somebody say amen. And I want to tell you, I have problems with my throat, not because Jesus doesn't love me, but because I yelled my head off screaming when I was 21 years old. Well, God, if you love me, I would never get a sore throat. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. While Jesus was undergoing this test, his whole nature was involved in it. His body, his mind, how many's ever fasted a little while, stuff that happens. He went through a test. Everybody say a test. And and the test was supplied. The test was what it was about, not the fast. It wasn't about the fast. It was about the test. Everybody say the test. And I hurry, and here was the test. The devil said, You're hungry. Here are stones. You're the Almighty. Turn these stones into bread and feed your hunger. That was the test. Feed your hunger. There's stones here that can feed you, but don't ever forget that what the devil wants you to feed on is ultimately stones. It's a test. What's the alternative? Jesus said in this test, not so. Hunger's a bad thing, a bad thing indeed to be sure and I am hungry to be sure but there's something more important than that Jesus said man cannot live even if he has the power to turn stones into bread he cannot live by that alone (laughs) but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God that's the test The test is not, well, just feed your hunger. The test is even feeding that. I'm not going to live very long if I eat on this bread. He has eliminated everything else. So the question is tonight, and I posed it early bread or God? That's the point. Bread or God? Everybody say it with me bread or God? Will Jesus put himself first? Or will he put God first? That's simple. Pastor, you mean to tell me all that complicated closet full of clothes and all that fasting stuff, we're finally at the simple point that this is either Jesus saying it's about me or it's about God. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point of your life. That's the point of every test you go through. That's the point of every trial you ever go through. It's a, it's a test of whether it's about you or it's about God's purpose for your life. It's that simple. It's not more complicated than that. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. It is my test and it's your test. Here it is. Will he satisfy himself? Or will he satisfy God? It's that simple. Will he live for the moment or will he live for eternity? I don't know about you, but I want to live for eternity. Well, let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. I hurry hurry to a close now. Let's, Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us to lift our eyes above the moment, to lift our eyes above the temporal, to lift our eyes above all the stones in this life that have our attention right now. Come on, some of you got your attention in the stones and you think it's gonna feed you, but it's not gonna feed you. amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Self denial is important, yes. Denying myself, saying no. But it's not just saying no to food, it's about saying no to me, saying no to what I want. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. Without self denial, there's no gospel, there's no thing called Christianity. You either accept the God of this world or you serve the God of the universe. You can't do both. Somebody say amen. At stake in every life is your birthright or a mess of beans a bowl of beans. Jacob and Esau had a confrontation and at stake is either your birthright or a bowl of beans. You're either going to, when you leave this tent, you're either going to be in possession of a birthright or you're going to be in possession of a bowl of beans. And you know how that ended. Esau was so hungry, he sold his birthright for a temporary fix. But you know what? He got hungry after eating even that bowl of beans. And then he missed his birthright because he realized, I've satisfied my soul with something that will not satisfy, and I I expended something that was precious, that's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, that's the saddest obituary spiritually that you'll ever have, they forsook because they loved this world, Make no mistake about it. The world is vying for our attention. It's never easy to separate the claims. My need of existence and survival always presents a strong case. I always seem to want to get to heaven. We sang about it tonight. I'm so homesick. I'm homesick. How many's homesick? How many would like to go to heaven? All right. Well, wait a minute. Okay, then when your body starts shutting down, don't call me to come pray for you for your healing. No, no, I'm serious. We talk about, we even sing about it. We're going to heaven. But I ain't met anybody that really wants to go tonight. If you walked out and fell out in the drive-thru out there with a heart attack, you'd want us to call 911. I don't think I've seen too many that would say, you know what, I've lived my whole life for this. Why do you want to stay? Well, for me, I got a wedding coming up in about a month. Not mine it's pretty important I think she'd want me there so if I fall over out there I'd say hey call the ambulance cause I gotta make the daughter's wedding but the fact of the matter is there's gonna be something the next month too i really like to go to the family camp out Lord can't get sick now it's almost Thanksgiving I mean who wants to miss Christmas Lord just not till Christmas alright Christmas now wait a minute there's a killer New Year's Eve party I think I want to go to. Wait, now Valentine's Day's is Morning. I don't think Cheryl would want me gone for Valentine's Day. And for a matter of fact, a little leprechaun day too. She bought me that green outfit to wear, and then, you know, we're into April showers. You know how that girl hates storms, Lord. You can't take me in April. And May's my birthday, and June's her birthday, and July's my daughter's birthday, Lord. If you're going to take me, you've got to take me before August, Or August, at August, sorry. See the reasoning? See the bright light shine? We all got a lot of unfinished business. We want the Lord to come, but not quite right now. Am I telling you the truth or not? Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I think it's very important uh, for us to understand that I do want to go to heaven. But Satan urges a lot of self-interest in my life. And that's what I saw in this week proceeding up to Sunday when Jesus says, you you can't live by bread alone, Calvin. I start thinking about the self-interest in my life. I want to tell you, when you (laughs) when you stop ignoring foolishness in your own life, I want to tell you something you got to pray for the love of Christ in your heart because you start ignoring foolishness in other folks too. And if you're not careful, you'll tell them how the cookie crumbles. And sometimes they don't like that. Because when you look yourself in the mirror and say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you be foolish anymore, then you start wondering why others don't do that. Don't you? You start wondering why they can't take that step. So Satan tries to keep me interested in my life, my house. That's my stuff. Don't touch my kids. That's my this, my that. He tells me that it's good for the kingdom for me to be self-interested and build a big house and have four or five cars and half of them broke down just to keep me humble devil tries to tell me that if I do not look well after my own interests, who's going to look after him? That if, I, if I'm going to hurry off the scene, then what good is that going to serve? You're going to leave your kids behind and they need you. And the devil is an artist at confusing the issue. I know. Chelsea probably wants me at her wedding. But you know what? God's sovereign will is more important than my little calendar. Am I Okay. I'm preaching to you about God's purpose. In fact, the devil loves to confuse the issue. Everybody say confusion. Give me five minutes. Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you know what that word wiles means? It means deception or lies. Do you realize the only weapon the devil has is untruth? He doesn't have the power to make you do anything. He doesn't have the power to make you think something. No, all he has is lies. And he'll tell you, your daddy don't love you. Your daddy don't love you. And you'll do stupid stuff because you believe what the devil's telling you. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the Bible says if lies is the weapon he has and you need the armor of God to stand against it, then let's do a little test here. How, how many of them can we name? We ought to know them. What's the armor of God? Come on. Helmet of salvation. Rest plate of righteousness. Helmet of, huh? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Sword of the spirit. Shield of faith. I think that's all. You think that's all? It's loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod, get your shoes on, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith by which you will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and watching and praying always. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Bible, the only weapon the devil has is lies, and the devil is an artist at confusing the issue. Jesus knew who he was and the divine purpose for his life. Think about it. Did Jesus know why he was on the earth? It's not a trick question. Did Jesus know why he was born as a man? Yes, he did. He said, I'm here to do the will of my Father. (laughs) He told, the, he told those disciples, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. He knew exactly why he was here, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. And Jesus knew that the divine purpose for his life and self-denial was the, a result of his understanding of his identity. He said, no, I'm not going to feed on that stuff because I know who I am. No, you didn't hear me. (laughs) He said, I'm not going to turn these stones into bread because I know who I am. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm hurting. Yes, I'm starving. Yes, I'm hallucinating. Yes, I'm in a desert. But I know who I am. No, you're not hearing me then that begs to question why we have to grab so much stuff for our own identity. I don't care that I'm lonely. I know who I am. I don't care that I'm sick. I know who I am. Oh, yes. This is not about, well, if the Lord heals me, then I'll serve Him. No, I know who I am. That's that's what it's about. Well, if I have a good job, then I'll serve him. No, I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. Come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord right now. That's the point of the test. Jesus said, no, not turning these stones into bread. Because man, you, that won't feed you for very long. You, you won't be hungry for a few hours. But man shall not live on this bread alone. But by every word that proceeds, I know who I am. The devil wants to confuse the issue. Something else I want you to remember. I cannot make the choice until I recognize the choice. This is exactly what Satan does not want to happen. The devil doesn't want me to make the choice. I must clear the way as Jesus did. I need to reduce my life to the barest ingredients. And God knows how to do that. I ought to know how to do that also. I need to go to a wilderness sometimes and say, no, I'm, I'm going to reduce, I'm going to isolate myself from the clutter there's people that kind of that kind of grin at it and say well pastor's just old fashioned because he's not on I've had people ask me oh you're on Facebook you're on Instagram you're on Twitter you're on. no you know what fact of the matter is I've I've tried to declutter my life And I want to tell you why I know what kingdoms in my mind would build up as I read people's stuff and I hear what they say and they talk about stuff and they say things they don't know anything about. Just just read the latter portions of the book of Job and listen to his three friends discuss everything they know about God and why he's going through this. And I'll tell you what I think and I'll tell you what I think. And that's why from about chapter 7 in Job to chapter 38 you shouldn't take any of that as Bible theology you know why because God says when he finally talks he said you three, three guys are ignorant you don't know what you're talking about yeah. just read those verses it sounds like a Facebook page well I think God would do this and I think you've sinned and that's why you lost all your shut up I want to tell you I don't want that clutter in my mind I don't want to hear it! So no. Jesus gets down to the nitty-gritty. He said, No, I don't want to clutter. Suddenly the issues clear when you declutter. Would his life be self-seeking or would he be at the absolute command of Almighty God? I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. How may want to do what God wants you to do. Yeah. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Come on. Come on, let's just let's just lift our hands and say, Lord. Here I am, Jesus. God help me to get to my message. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you something. It's very easy to make life one giant worry. It's easy to make life one giant worry over food, clothing, shelter, transportation, recreation, and how long I'm going to live. Uh-oh, I got a knot right there. Uh-oh, I probably got six months. You, you know, you're laughing because you do it. Uh-oh, what's that? Oh, no. You know what? If I sat in the Lazy Boy all day long with a pressure cuff on, My blood pressure would probably get bad, wouldn't it? Because the thing that keeps my blood pressure good is getting out and splitting wood. Not sitting in the laser Boy, monitoring my health. Yeah. So we expend a lot of energy on worrying about fill in the blank. These things provide cause for mammoth world industry. Think about it. It is commercial life and everything commercial life involves. In fact, they become taskmasters and we become the slave. In fact, let me give an example. Let's talk about clothing. My concern for clothing and dress can become a ruthless dictator. And start saying, well, you know what? These pants are a little flowy in the bottom. It's a little more fashionable for them to be real tight around my ankles. <laughs> Looked like I got blowed up by an air gun. <laughs> I got to go get a bunch of new suits because i you know what? All of a sudden, you get in a rat race and then you realize the rats are winning. Rushing. All of a sudden, rushing into my life to set up an encampment is competition, vanity, pride, and debt. Now... <laughs> just to keep up with the Joneses. I don't even know the Joneses. And all of a sudden, I bring a lot of crazy stuff because I'm living for myself. Yeah, that leads me to my title, Closets Full, Yet Nothing to Wear. I don't know about you, but God's been real good to me. And I want to tell you something now, right now, in the presence of all you witnesses, that every time I was in the wilderness and it came to a decision between stones and God, every time I chose God, He paid me back. He paid me back. Not once did He fail. I said, Not once did He fail. Yeah, in fact, most times when I, <laughs> when I chose God, the weight of all that worry came off of me. Yeah, because it didn't matter then because I know who I am and I know who he is. You know what, another example. Not only clothes, some of you don't have a closet too full, so you're sitting there in a pie. You know, your piety is working on you right now. Let's talk about our house. I'm, my Lord. If I started right now, it'd take me three months to get a yard sale ready. I'd have to bring it out in wheelbarrows. I went downstairs in my basement. I said, you know what? We could put this in the god sale. We could put this in the yard sale. Oh, no. That, the girls used to play that game. I mean, how long are we going to keep shoots and ladders? Sorry, I know they spun the little dial and it'll live in infamy. My house can become a museum and a financial tombstone. <laughs> I'm, I've got to separate necessity, decency, I got to separate what I need from Satan's urge to make me think big thoughts about myself. Well, I deserve this. I, deserve, I think I need that. And I think I need that. To be somebody recognized in the social strata, the deceiver jumbles the good and the bad, and he puts people on TV telling you that God wants you to drive a big car and live in a big house. <laughs> Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's his business to make it difficult for me to pick and choose. He doesn't want me to pick the kingdom. He wants me to pick stones every time. So he confuses the issue. He talks about how hungry I am. He talks about how I deserve it. He talks about how many sacrifices I've made. And he doesn't want me to choose the better. He wants me to choose the stone. The devil is always whispering what's good for me can't think as correctly amid a loaded table, expensive houses, credit extended for clothes, and everything the world system calls bread. Listen, it's not bad to buy your growing kids some clothes from a yard sale. It's not an indictment against you as a parent to to have your kids wear some hand-me-down clothes. Dear God, help us. Something else you need to remember, Jesus was headed toward a desert place. Jesus headed toward a desert place. It is a better place to meet the devil than in some comfortable country estate with a swimming pool and a riding stable. Yeah, the devil will talk you into stuff there. But if you will go to the wilderness, to the desert, and say, you know what, I'm stripping away everything I take for granted, and I'm gonna strip down everything that I think I need, and it's just me and God now, and all of a sudden you realize you can do with a lot less you reduce life to a little simplicity and you'll realize. I want to say it. I want to say it carefully. But I've walked into emergency rooms where individuals were laying flat on their back and they had been consumed with this life and their life. And in the emergency room and the doctor saying, we don't know what's going on. We may have to airlift you out of here. I want to tell you what, I never met one of them that looked me in the eye and said, preacher, pray for me so I can get out of here and go take care of some of my business. No, they said, preacher, I've been foolish. I hadn't been at church. I've been worried about stuff I shouldn't be worried about. Not one of them said, preacher, pray for me so I can get up and go make some more money. Not one. See, then your life is reduced. Jesus was able in this manner to empty himself. He emptied it out. He set aside what could have been. and He tied his life to the Father's command. He said, you know what? I know I'm hungry, but I'm going to obey God. Did he have legitimate needs? Absolutely. But he relied on God. No, no, no. Jesus spoke of such a man. I'm sorry, I'm going a little longer than I intended. But Jesus spoke of such a man that worried about these things. The Bible says he was clad in purple and fine linen. He provided, the Bible says, the best for his tables. In fact, the Bible says he and his guests ate sumptuously. He was the most excellent man, full of good impulses, which even hell could not destroy any. Think about it, because even in hell, His second question is, somebody go do something for my brothers. This is a good man. Even in hell, he's thinking about somebody else. But think of this. Still, Lazarus was starving at his gate. Why? The wealthy man wasn't cruel. No. He thinks about others. He feeds his guests wonderfully. He simply did not know what was going on outside his own well-ordered life. He was wrapped up in himself. Yeah, this is what I got all last week. Calvin, you can't live by bread alone. It's not about you, your desires, what you want. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? He hadn't time to listen to his God be used as his God would use him. No, has it ever puzzled you that everything transpiring in the days of Noah and in the days of Sodom and in the days of the return of the Son of Man, not one of them is sinful in itself. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, let me, shh, let me describe that. The Bible says they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. Not one of those things are sinful. No, but that's what they were doing. And look at Luke 17:30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, listen, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, don't go back to your house to get your stuff. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Listen, as we approach the day when the Son of Man is to be revealed, as we approach the coming of the Lord, the emphatic words of Jesus is, don't worry about the stuff in your house. Did you hear that? He said, when you get close to the day Jesus is coming back, if you're on the roof how far are you from your stuff if you're on the roof how far are you from your stuff 10 15 20 feet yeah you're not far from your stuff jesus said if i'm coming back don't even go 20 feet to get your stuff that's how little your stuff matters when jesus is coming back. he said listen if you're in the field and your stuff's in the house don't go back to your house to get your stuff leave your stuff yeah we're full of stuff I'm preaching to people that are eating on bread that'll never fill them I think you heard it Sunday and I hope this is the culmination of it tonight I want to say something to you very. I don't want you to forget it somewhere soon someone needs you Say it again. Somewhere soon, someone needs you. In fact, let me put it this way. Now, someone needs you. And if I'm distracted by my stuff, I'm not going to be what somebody needs right now. In fact, let me put it to you this way. Right now, somebody needs us. And if we're a church full of people that are worried about stones and bread and not the purpose of God we're not going to be there when somebody needs us yeah we're not going to have it, in fact you know what we'll do, I need you right now would you come, would you do this, would you say hey I need you to explain this to me, I need you to tell me what this means you know what you'll do you'll say well here's my pastor's phone number Somebody needs you right now. What has your attention? Stones are the kingdom of God. Dirt are the kingdom of God. Stuff are the kingdom of God. If you think only of yourself, you will disappoint God's mission for you. He's got bigger stuff for me than just living a nice little life and going into retirement and exiting out of this world. He's got something big for me to do somebody say amen I need God in my life in fact let me close with this John 6 verse 35 and Jesus said unto them I am the bread of life he that cometh to me shall never hunger he that believeth on me shall never thirst when I read those verses last week it challenged all the hunger in my life it said to me Calvin what are you hungry for what are you thirsty for? Because if you've got the Lord, you shouldn't be hungry. If you got the Lord, you shouldn't be thirsty. So maybe that's why Job could say, "Though he slay me, yet will I trust him." Maybe that's why Paul says, "You know what? I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. There's a crown laid up for me." They didn't exit this world with any regrets. No, they said, "You know what? I'm not hungry and I'm not thirsty. He's my bread." And I love him tonight. <laughs> we used to sing an old song. It kind of goes along with this. You remember it? it said, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. That's not too appropriate in this day, is it? That's a lot to take. That's a lot to take. I know some young people, some students that can't even, uh, they get mad at their parents when their parents say, you can only play on your Xbox for an hour. They get flipped out when they can't play Fortnite all night long. They get freaked out. I'm talking about. I'm talking about bread. I've never seen them that upset in an altar. I've never seen them clamor for the altar like that. Yeah, I'm talking about bread. I want us to stand together, and this is enough, enough of this. I want. I want you to reach over right now. Just pray for somebody, Lord. I pray. What this pastor's preaching tonight would get a hold of this church. I'll talk to the Lord right now. Jesus, get a, get a hold of a brother or sister or your husband or your wife and say, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we're not full of, we're not making decisions about comfort and about, uh, uh, you know, worries and anxieties and, and, and putting stock in this world and and, and, and making sure our, our security is on this earth. I want to lay up treasure in heaven. What am I doing for the kingdom? What am I doing for the kingdom of God? That's why I'm here. Oh, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry. If you believe on me, you'll never be thirsty. Come on, church. Just for a few minutes. It's almost 8.30. It is 8.30. Come on. Let's just pray just another minute. Jesus, move on us as a church. Help us to not be self-centered. Help us to not, Lord, worry about these things of this life. Lord, help us to not be anxious. Help us, Lord, to feed on you. You're my bread when I'm hungry. You're my water when I'm thirsty, oh God. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, Lord, I praise you, God. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord a good hand clap together. I know you're feeling what I'm feeling. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord. I I know I don't want to belabor the point and fill this sermon with a bunch of personal pronouns, but I want to tell you. There have been times in my life when life was reduced to next to nothing. But I was glad in those minutes that I had Jesus. There was times my family was battling with sickness, terminal sickness. I want to tell you, in those moments, I was glad I had the Lord. All the money in the world wouldn't change the situation. I had bread that people knew not. Wait a minute, isn't that what they asked Jesus? Hey, what are you eating on? He said, "Oh, I got, I got bread that you know not of." Yeah, yeah. I love the Lord tonight, and He loves me, and I know He loves you. So I want to tell you, he that believes on me, Jesus said, will never be hungry. So don't worry about any of the losses. Got a little pain? Lose a job? Hey, I want to tell you what the Lord knows what you have need of love him worship him keep him first in your life don't ever settle for stones when you got the bread of life amen lord we thank you for your word go with us tonight jesus seal it in our hearts in jesus name i praise you for it god in jesus name amen Share the love of the Lord with somebody. We're not going to call you to the altar. We're just going to let you savor on this uh, closing message about the bread of life tonight. But shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad to see them. Hey, let me give you a good report. Both our junior team and our beginner team made it all the way to the last day of nationals. Now, they didn't win first place. I'm not quite sure where they finished, but they uh, before lunch and after lunch today, they quizzed all the way up in the day. A lot of teams were already out, but the good Salem folks were still, still going at it. So we thank God for that. So congratulate them when they get home. God bless you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed in the name of the